This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the Therapy Group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hi, Jen. Hey, Em. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How you doing, babe? <laughs> how are you? That's how you're doing. Wait, it's very funny because when we recorded, you know, three episodes ago, I had bronchitis and I still have bronchitis. I'm on my you second know. dose of antibiotics and steroids. I just went to acupuncture this morning. I'm drinking tea. It's definitely better. Yes. But I'm also on an inhaler every three hours. Like, I got this shit bad. Uh, and you know it's got something's going around so i mean it does sound like everyone sort of has something like this my doctor was like you probably had covid in september and this is like your aftermath which like who would have known who, who would have thunk thought? it who would have thunk but it we did this we moved our offices people know we had taught this a while we did 55 hours over four days and i was on steroids for all of it and the sweat's coming off of my body <laughs> steroids fuck you up and let let us just say like even without you being sick like 55 it was 55 hours in three and a half days like we were nonstop. i so i slept at emily's because i don't have a a home right now (laughs) so i slept at emily's for four nights which was lovely her daughter woke me up every morning and (laughs) came in bed and cuddled with me which was really sweet showed her pictures of my cat um and then we would get up immediately go to the office make this move and get home around what like nine we were i would say we were in office for 13 hours a day every day yeah yeah and we talked about it we said we have 
never, I don't think there's been a time in the business where we've experienced something that difficult. No. I mean, because it was also just physical labor. Like, I was like saying, like, I, you know what I mean? I, I watched this thing, watched this thing on Reddit, shockingly. Um, everyone knows my love for Reddit. And it it's was all she's like, got. It's all she's got. And it was like uh, professional powerlifters versus um, like ro- like people that do like rock climbing. It was saying how like real world strength outweighs like always like, you know, made in gym strength, which like you would think is the same. But I will tell right. you this. Someone who works at, I work out five to six days a week moving for three fucking days my body was in so much pain it hurts so bad we have bruises i have bruises all over my legs your legs were fucked my back was hurting like i was like oh my gosh like the manual labor you know it was really funny we were like we were sitting down after three days of being so exhausted and we were like (laughs) we're like wait a second you know originally we had just planned to like build a practice for the two of them (laughs) The two of us. And then we were like, I think maybe we took it a little too far. <laughs> did we take did we take this a step too far? Because in the <laughs> I can't make Emily laugh because she's yeah. gonna have a Wait, coughing attack. Well it's funny because also that that was the same All right. So we had this moment where like maybe we should have just like fucking shut this shit down. Like maybe we should close shop, just have it be the two of us. It was like and then we walk out of the building and there's this guy who's very clearly hitting on Jen. Okay. Very clearly hitting on Jen. He's like, ah, oh, this is your new building. You know, oh, you guys are new there. And, and Jen was like, oh, no, we actually used to be up the street. We just we moved like 500 feet down the street, right? Yeah, yeah. Just into this custom building we made. And this guy's like, whatever. He's like talking to her. And he's like, where'd you move from? Who's taking that space? Blah, blah, blah. And then he like says something about like, wanting to buy the building. And Jen, and I'm walking to like lock this back door. I'm outside. And Jen's like, oh, I'll give you the guy's number. And she walks into the building with this fucking stranger. And I am always like so hyper alert about like, you know, <laughs> where you go at night with different people. And usually I'd be like, whoa, 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 Jen, like, wait, like I'll come in or like, and you know what? I And I was just just like in my head, I was like, man, well, she, there she goes. <laughs> there she goes. There was, let me tell you, there was no part of me that would even think that that guy was hitting on me because of how we looked <laughs> by the end of day three. But it was like, so there funny. wasn't even I, a single I was part let you of go. Me. I was like, well, I guess she's, I guess this is it for her. While I was walking in, I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea, but like, I'm just <laughs> so tired. <laughs> I don't. I had no ability. Did he ask for your phone number? No, no, no. Oh, he didn't. But you sent him. Didn't you send him a phone number? Yeah, yeah. That probably wasn't the best move. Yeah. So he has your phone number. I just I sent him him a contact. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be friendly, you know. We're opening up a new office. I'm so naive. I know. I'm sure he was like a fine guy. I mean, he didn't kill you that night, at least. But like, I literally like (laughs) that night. I turned around. I was like. Uh, well, there she goes. Like, I there she goes. Left in me. But we made it through, right? We made it through. And it goes on theme with today's episode that we're going to talk about, which is hyper-independence, with both, which we both have an issue with. Majorly. But before we get there, we have an intro question. Yes. Your best piece of marriage advice. I'm about to get married from Jess. Best piece of marriage advice. Okay. Nothing has to be solved in the moment. Sleep on it. Always. We always say. I would say this. Whatever feels as big as it does in that moment, put yourself in timeout and see if it feels that way later. I I would think that like marriage can feel so intense at times. You can get so mad at each other and you're spending so much time together. 
but you are working together on the same team and it should be you and your partner versus the problem, not you versus your partner. Beautiful. That mine was similar in the sense of to understand that your relationship goes through phases and to not get too caught in like a down phase and attribute what you're going through in that moment to the rest of your relationship. And I think that also connects to this other piece of advice that I want to say is like, don't believe all the bullshit everyone tells you about marriage, right? Like to debunk all the myths of like, if it's right, it's supposed to be easy. Like, no, this shit's hard. It is hard to live with someone. It's hard for both of you to go through your stress at the same time and try to work through it together. So just to understand that like, it's a moment in time and don't, to not attribute it to the rest of the relationship, which is really easy to do and to know how to pull yourself out and get yourself to the next phase. All right. All right. That's it. That was our intro. Hyperindependence. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about hyperindependence. So the reason we wanted to do this episode is because we made a reel recently about hyperindependence. And it got a lot of <laughs> traction. Everyone was writing and saying, this is me. And the reason why we made that to begin with is because it's also us, <laughs> right? Feels very relatable. Um, but first, let me give you a quick definition of what hyperindependence is. So hyperindependence refers to an extreme desire to handle everything on your own without requiring or accepting external help or support. It's often linked with various emotional or attachment styles and is typically a result from one's early life experiences. So the the reel that we created basically said if, you know, for all of our hyper-independent women, I think it was, you know, underneath it is a child that needed more support growing up. So we talk about this a lot and how it develops from early childhood experiences because, um, you know, you might have needed more support in certain areas of your life that your parents or caregivers were unable to give to you. And so as children, we learn ways of surviving by saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to figure this out on my own or I'm going to do this on my own. And we develop this way of being really independent. And not only do we develop that, but we are often praised for it too, where oftentimes people say, wow, like she's so independent. He's so independent. Like they did that on their own. It's amazing that they're able to like tackle that. And so there is a lot of praise that comes from being very independent growing up. So there's a nice mixture of, well, there's certain things that I probably needed more support in. And when I developed this very specific survival mechanism to be able to function in my life, people praised me for it and it became embedded in my identity, right? It's something that I feel really good about. It's something I feel really proud about. And so, you know, when we talk about hyper-independence, we're talking about the extreme. We, it is important. We actually have a whole episode on taking alone time and like how to be alone. So being independent is an important quality and a really helpful quality to have. It's when it moves to the extreme, like anything else, that we want to look at it and say, is this actually helping me in the ways that it once helped me as a child? Is it still serving me in the ways it was once serving me? Or 
are there things that I could change? Are there people that I could ask for help? Are there ways that I could do things differently so that I'm not so burnt out, not so overwhelmed, so that I feel like I can have more support as an adult Mm -hmm. in ways that you didn't receive as a child? Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. I think we get into some questions. Someone just, someone said, not a question, but I'm so excited for this topic because it's so me to a major fault. <laughs> Love that. Well, so I guess the question is asked is like, 
there's a question around here somewhere about like, well, is this bad? What if I like it? Right. And so like, we're not saying anything is bad. We've had this conversation a million times on here. When we talk about stuff is when does it get in the way of things? Yes. Right. So let's say that you're hyper independent, but you're also resenting people around you for not helping. Well, then that's going to work against you, right? Or you're you're hyper independent, but that you're making a lot of mistakes and not getting assistance. You're hyper independent and you're burnt out from all that you're doing, right? So like, is it becoming a problem in your life? This is not a bad skill to have. I teach my daughter to be independent all the time. It's amazing to be independent. In some ways, um, it also gives you a lot of self-esteem, right? We've talked about before that like self-esteem is built from mastery. And so let's say you become, Jen is like the queen of building furniture, right? Like, and then, at the end of the day, it's annoying for you to do. But when you see all that furniture built in that office, how good do you feel? Amazing. Right? Let me tell you, it doesn't feel annoying. I love it. There's something yeah, that, about it. It feels yeah. really therapeutic. But there's, there's, other, there's other stuff that you don't like, right? So like, and that's the thing to ask yourself is like, there's certain tasks that you do work for you and, and they feel therapeutic and they feel good. That's great. So yeah, so a lot of people, really people want to know is why am I like this? Yes. And there's there are some common factors that lead us to being hyper-independent. And a lot of them are connected to like early childhood experiences. So trauma and loss. So if you have been significantly let down or hurt, you may have adopted a hyper-independent approach in order to protect yourself from further emotional pain. Um, another one that comes up is fear of vulnerability. You may equate dependence or needing help with weakness, and therefore you might force yourself to be independent as a way to avoid such perceived vulnerability. Conditioning and upbringing is another thing we talk about, is that you might may have been raised in an environment that heavily values independence, pushing you towards hyper-independence. So relying on other people may have not been something that was taught to you growing up. Um, certain life experiences, as we're saying, so like very harsh experiences can make people feel like they cannot rely on others, uh, reinforcing that they need to do everything on their own. And self-esteem and self-worth. So for some individuals, being self-sufficient is a strong aspect of their identity, like we're saying, making them feel valuable or important. So this, as we said earlier, uh, being hyper-independent, you're often praised for it. this. So if it's become embedded into your identity and what you do, then, and it's something that gives to you. So that might be a reason why you might be holding on to hyper-independence. Um, and then people had a lot of specific questions about their upbringing. And so a lot of people had asked about parentification and enmeshment with this. Yes. Right. Yes. So someone said, yeah. could this stem from an enmeshed family or also one where perhaps a child was parentified? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, period. One, is the answer yes. <laughs> Period. A hundred percent. If you because if you think about parentification in general, right, when you're asking a child to grow up way quicker, you're expecting them to be able to do things that maybe they aren't able to do or need more help doing. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's it is a perfect tie-in to parentification because when a child is parentified, they're expected mm -hmm. to do things that are above the age that they are developmentally at. Yeah. Um, and so those children become and develop ways of surviving by becoming really independent and figuring things out on their own. And once again, it helps them to build these skills very early, which is really helpful, but also it reinforces that they can't necessarily rely on people or they can't necessarily call on their parents at a time that they really need them. 
So let's talk about the balance part because quite a few people had written in about like, how do I know when I've taken independence too far or what's normal independence versus uh, hyper-independence? And a great way to define it to think about it is in terms of this. Can you accept help (laughs) at all? (laughs) Yes. Because there's nothing wrong with being independent. It's an amazing trait to have. It's when it becomes a problem, right? So when it becomes a problem is I am too burnt out. I'm too tired. I don't let myself rest. I don't let myself ask for help. I don't let myself accept help when somebody offers it, right? That's the biggest issue you and I have is that people will actually offer us help and we'll be like, no, 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 it's fine. And then we hit a moment like, you know, that was only two Thursdays ago, Jen, just to put that in perspective. Oh my God. Um, And and people in the office were like, well, can I help? And we kept saying no. And then finally I was like, wait. (laughs) You're like, why are we saying no? (laughs) Why do we keep saying no to this? And I think part of it is like, you feel... I think one, I don't know whether it was we needed to prove that we could do it on our own or if we felt bad asking for help. Yeah. Right? Like, what do you think it was for us in that moment that kept us saying no, no, no? For me, you know, I think I think a piece of it, too, is that, like, I I really want our clinicians in a lot of ways to, like, be able to take care of themselves and, like, focus on their work. And taking care of their client. That's, that is a such a huge value of ours that like our clinicians have the space to take care of themselves and to then be able to take care of their clients and support their clients. And I think, you know, you and I am when we were seeing clients and building the business, there was so much that we had to do in so many different ways that we were stretched so thin that if there's any part that I'm asking for help, I'm like, oh, they're going to feel that way or they're going to, you know, I that like, I don't know if it's protective or if it's like, I I don't want them to feel any. But you keep talking about us in terms of past tense when you're like, we used to. I know. <laughs> we, are we not stretched thin now? Uh, no, we are. We totally are. We absolutely are. So, but I'm, th- I'm thinking in terms of like when we did more clinical work yeah, along with yeah. what we're doing. I think it's hard because this isn't like a the interesting thing about I know we have a lot of therapists that listen to this show is that like, you know, Jen and I run a highly successful business, but at the end of the day, like we're in mental health, we're not in fucking tech. So like we're not bringing in billions of dollars, you know, like I think <laughs> like we're not right. Like don't you, like, we're not a technology startup that has like all these VCs and funders and stuff. So like our business does great. But, like, there's a limit of how much you make in mental health when you're doing it ethically. Yeah. Now, if you want to be a real piece of shit, you know, and there's lots of people that do that were, like, trying to come in and take over the mental health world just to make it about money, I'm sure you're going to make more money. You know, unfortunately, us, we're values-based, so that's not going to happen. But I think the <laughs> hard part— Unfortunately, right? It's like, I mean, just the financial, but it also makes it hard because people will say, like, we'll just hire more help. Yeah. Right? Or get more help. Yeah. And— I think that that is a tricky thing for so many clinicians, especially clinicians that are in small group practices or in private practices. There's usually not an overflow of money to have that or to get help like that. So these therapists end up taking on one million different roles. And in some ways, it's great because you learn all these skills, right? Like if we didn't have to do that, we wouldn't have learned all the skills that we did. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount that we learned on the job, the amount of furniture that I could put together now, (laughs) like... 
this doesn't work out. I'm becoming a goddamn task rabbit. Yeah, task rabbit. We would be great task rabbits. I think at this point, right? Like Incredible. we can put your we can put your 18 um office building yes. in 55 hours. Give us and we can take care of it. Look right. Oh, we could do it in a second. Yeah, we'll be dead. Yeah, we'll be dead. Well, and so there is the thing, right? So that's when the independence goes too far. Now. Let's talk about something that's just adaptive to the situation. In this exact situation Jen and I were talking about, we needed to disrupt business as little as possible. So for us to actually grind ourselves into the ground over four days was the better alternative than us having it be slower and steady, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it was going to disrupt clients. It was going to disrupt clinicians. Mm-hmm. We had this three-day weekends where a lot of people weren't coming in. And it was like, all right, this is our one opportunity to do this. Yeah, yeah. And we did it. I, You know what I think? I think we've gotten really good, at least, at asking each other for help because we're yes. a partnership. And, you know, I we've always said this on the podcast and to each other that, like, we both have different skills that we utilize and are, are really helpful. But I think we have gotten really good at asking each other for help or saying like, hey, I need a break. Can you take this over? Yeah. And like kind of feeling that out. Yeah. So I think it, it also connects to like, can you build that trust in your relationships or certain relationships to be able to ask people for help? Because if you developed this coping mechanism of being hyper-independent, one of the things you might struggle with is trusting others to be able to help you or to rely mm-hmm. on others to be able to help you. And someone asked, and this, this goes into this next question, is how does hyper-independence impact romantic and friendship relationships? And someone else said, would love to hear how this relates to trauma and also how it can affect relationships. So there's a few ways. There's there's more than a few ways. One <laughs> of them being limited emotional intimacy. So hyper-independent individuals might struggle to open up about their feelings or vulnerabilities, making it difficult to form strong emotional bonds because on top of just asking people for help to do things right or like support with things it's also support emotionally and we often see this in therapy where someone will come in after years and years and years and say like i've never talked about this or i've never asked anyone for help or i'm introverted and so i i deal with everything on my own um so the limited emotional intimacy is that if you don't share or ask others for help then it might keep you really distant from people emotionally. Another way is isolation. The desire to do everything on your own can lead hyper-independent people to isolate, leading to loneliness or creating distance in relationships. And I think oftentimes, you know, if you're someone who has held things in or don't, you know, don't share things with others, there might be this sense of like, no one can help me with this. I can't share this with anyone. And what we know is that vulnerability leads to connection and keeps you from feeling isolated. So that's another way that it can show up in your relationships. Lack of trust is another one that we were just talking about. So you may show reluctance to rely on others, which might be perceived by your partners or your family or your friends as lack of trust in those relationships, which once again may keep you distant. Control issues, which Emily and I definitely struggle with. (laughs) 
when what? I was re- no <laughs> control issues. So like when you're hyper independent, it might manifest itself as a need for control, causing tension or conflict in your relationships. Um, misunderstanding or resentment, like Emily said earlier, if a person is unable to express their needs or accept help, can lead to misunderstandings or resentment from people in their life, ultimately damaging relationships. Mm. So if you're listening to this and you're hearing some of this in your relationships, you know, you might be able to see the symptoms before you can recognize the hyperindependence. Um, and so if you're hearing like, oh, some of this does come up in my relationships, might be a good question to ask yourself. Like, do I do I really trust my partner to help me in certain situations? Is that coming from something deeper for me? Is that actually coming from our relationship? Um or control issues, right? Do I, you know, do I need the sink cleaned in a very specific way so I'm not going to ask for help from someone else because I don't I'm I don't believe that they're going to do it the way I want, right? Like so how are the control issues coming out too? So it might manifest itself for everyone in a bunch of different ways and the question is is the independence that you are holding onto so strongly, is it helping you? Is it serving you? Or is it hurting you? And is it hurting your relationships? And is it keeping you burnt out and separate from others? I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If 
you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. You know, quite a few people had asked about birth order stuff of yes. oldest child versus only child. And and I had um I wanted to touch on it because I think that there's something very interesting to this. Um and I know a few people had asked about also being the only daughter. We've had this question a few times. So I read a great little saying online, which I, I wish I knew who said this originally. Like it was one of those things where like, you know, who the fuck is the source? You'll never know. Um, and it said um, firstborns, which would also relate to only children, uh, grow up with their parents while later borns are raised by their parents. And I think for a lot of people, sometimes, and I'm sure that goes for many families, if not just the oldest, but a lot of us are growing up with our parents at the same time. And that is going to make things very difficult. Now, some people, and this is why you also have like sibling relationships, um, or somebody had written in, how to not resent others who were given help when they grew up, right? And so some people are raised by their parents and some people grow up with their parents. Yeah. And those are two very different experiences. I'm wondering for this person, like how, where that resentment comes out, like, is it a jealousy? Is it an envy that comes out um, where you see that, you know, maybe friends had more support than you did? Maybe a sibling had more support. I think that's probably one of the hardest that we're talking about is that like when you see a sibling had more support because you're in, you know, you're being raised by the same, I'm using quotes if you're watching, if you're not watching YouTube, Um, (laughs) you're being raised by the same, you know, parents or caregivers. And so I think that that can be really hard. But the thing that we always talk about is how you may grow up in the same family, but your experiences can be completely different based on the place that your caregivers are in at the time that you are developing. So, you know, if at a time in which you were younger, your parents were going through something more stressful or experiencing something more stressful, maybe they were unable to give you the support that your sibling got at the same developmental age. Um, And that can be really hard to experience. And also, As you grow up, you may have completely different relationships with your caregivers and, you know, the it might keep you distant or disconnected from your sibling because of the differences that you experienced in your childhood. Yeah. So a few people talked about being a child of divorce. Yeah. For those of us, especially people that had high conflict divorce and their parents could not co-parent together. You probably had to learn to be very independent. And even in small ways, if I have to remember to bring my backpack back and forth or my toothbrush back and forth or different stuff like that, those are skills most children don't have to learn. And this also goes for children of immigrants as well or first generation folks that are, you know, doing things like translating for their parents. Yes. Yes. Oh, so many questions. People had a million questions for this one, which I love. Could I go back to a relationship question really fast? Yeah, please. Because someone had talked about um, what to do if your partner under functions. So for some of us, you have learned over-functioning and hyper-independence um, in childhood, right? You've developed a skill. And here's the thing about this skill is it actually makes you 
perfectly set up to go with somebody who is less independent and less self-sufficient or what we talk about as an over-functioner, under-functioner. The reason it goes so well is, one, you get to be needed. And most people that are hyper-independent actually fucking, like, get off on being needed, right? How much do you love being needed, Jen? Love it until I don't. (laughs) Until you don't. And then you're mad. Yeah. Right? And then you're mad and then you're resentful and here's the other stuff. But for at the beginning, it always feels really good to be needed. And it feels good because you have these skills to be like, oh, man, it's really overwhelming for you to um, pack. You're moving your house. It's hard for you to pack up your house. Well, let me come over. I'll bring the boxes and I'll fucking do this shit. And it feels amazing and I feel great. And once again, I usually get a lot of positive reinforcement. Oh, my God, you saved me. You helped me. I would never have gone through this move if it wasn't for you. And that typically works out. Now, it becomes problematic when you enter into a committed relationship or if it's completely one-sided. So let's say you're in a friendship where you're always the one who is doing all the planning, who is doing all the functioning, who who does all stuff. Let's say you're the one in your relationship who um, plans, who um, sets the room up, who builds the furniture, right, Jen? Who does the, you know, who does the taxes, does the money, does the cleaning, any of these things. It usually works for a while until it doesn't. And when it doesn't, what do you do? Do you rage? Do you run? Do you freeze? Do you find yourself, I'm just no longer attracted to them and talk myself out of the relationship? There's a lot of different stuff and everyone sort of reacts differently, but it's really important to know what do I need to do before I get to the breaking point? So I also want to, I also want to tackle this question because I, I, you know, think it's so helpful for anyone's listening and who maybe identifies with being independent and it becomes part of your identity, but you're also recognizing that it would be helpful to ask for help. So someone asked, so used to being an independent, I don't even realize I'm doing it. How to zoom out and work on asking for help. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the times that you are the most independent as an adult, and I want you to write them down. I can put them in your phone. And so looking back at those times, I want you to ask yourself, like, are there times in which you needed more help in those situations and you didn't ask for it? And if you think about it and you can pinpoint some of those times, I want you then to say, what would it have looked like if I asked for more help? What would have changed? What would have been different? Who would I have asked? What is it that may have kept me from asking for help in those times? And that is what we often hear is like, I don't even realize that I'm doing this. You know, I don't even realize that I could have asked for more help and I didn't. And that's something, it's something to be very conscious of, you know, on your day to day. Like, is there anything that maybe I need help with that I'm putting all on myself? Because I think it really is common where people are saying, like, I didn't even know I could ask for help in these situations. Not even a thought that crosses my mind. And I think what often often happens too is if you're someone who is really used to being independent, you start to reach out for help. If you don't get it or you get rejected or there's some, you know, someone who maybe pushes you away or can't give it to you in the ways that you need it, we often turn right back into ourselves and say, well, see, I I never should have asked Mm -hmm. for help anyway. Some self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy. So just to know that it is possible that you might start asking for help 
And you might get it sometimes and you might might not get it other times Mm -hmm. because some people are going to have the bandwidth and be able to support you and some people aren't. And some people have skills to be able to support you and some people don't. And so it's just something to move slowly in. But the thing that I I wanted to say that specifically because I want to prep the people who are hyper-independent, who do make the jump to start reaching out to people, to know that if someone's not able to be there for you, it doesn't mean that you have to crawl back into your hyper-independent shell. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's hard because it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to ask for help. You know, it's not easy. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons why like postpartum was so hard for me and pregnancy was so hard is because it's like just a very vulnerable time by nature. Yeah. Especially postpartum with lack of sleep. And I just fucking hated it because that is such a triggering feeling for me to feel vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like what a extremely vulnerable time. Yeah. You know? Yep. And also when you're going through something new. Sometimes you might not know what you even need to ask for help, right? Like when you're postpartum for the first time, did you even know what you needed? Or what kind of I was very disconnected to all reality. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't didn't know who I was. I didn't know (laughs) English. I don't know. Right. So that's I think that's another thing is if if you are someone who is used to being hyper independent, you might not even know what your needs are. Or if you're going through something new, you might not even know the things that you need to ask for. So it's another piece of this is to get really connected to yourself during this time to be able to understand what you need to be able to ask for your needs to be met. We, we have a dear Emma Jen we have to get to. I'm ready. I got it. Ready? Dear Emma Jen. First, thank you for providing the world with such great knowledge. You have helped me tremendously. Second, my question, is it wrong slash bad that I don't want help from others? I feel really frustrated when people, family specifically, impose help on me. I know I could work on being more willing to ask for help, but I really enjoy doing things alone. It makes me feel independent, productive, successful, and gives me a sense of accomplishment. My strong sense of independence bothers my in-laws because they want to help and and feel needed, but it's not my job to fulfill those needs, right? Thanks for any insight. Nope. Not your job. <laughs> not your job. Period. It's the easiest DRM and Jen we've ever done. <laughs> right? Done and done. Here's and, what I would say. If it all feels good for you, that's great, baby. You don't yep. need to change a thing. Just be aware that there might be a time where you need help, even from those in-laws, and see what it's like to accept it then. But it is not your job to fulfill that need in Anyway, you know, maybe they want to plant you a vegetable garden, though, or some shit. Which might be nice, <laughs> depending on what kind of vegetables. Yeah, true. Or how much work that you have to do. Yeah. But right. no, the answer is no. There, there's right. nothing wrong with it at all. It's okay to not want help from others as long as it feels good to you and you're not left with those feelings of resentment or um, avoidance. Absolutely. That's all I would say. I love that. All right. That's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a friend who's hyper-independent and you think they would benefit from listening to this episode, feel free to send it on over. Um, Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and follow on Apple Podcasts. We love a five-star review. If you are looking for a therapist, we would be happy to help support you at the Therapy Group. We have offices in Philadelphia and our new beautiful office in Westchester. Pennsylvania. 
Pennsylvania, not New York. Pennsylvania, (laughs) yes. And uh, virtually all across the U.S., if you are wondering if we serve your state, feel free to fill out a contact form on thetherapygroup.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and for your support. We really appreciate you. And don't forget to grow yourself. You got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Thank you.